Chats from the Blog Cabin. This is your favorite time of the week with your number one one podcast. Hey y'all, I hope you really enjoyed this next episode. If you are a mom of daughters, this episode is, is especially for you. If you're a dad of daughters, this episode is for you also. Um, but also, if you're not even a mom, if you're a woman, there's some really great tips in this episode. Well, I'm t- chatting with Dr. Cheryl Green, and she wrote the book, Heal Your Daughter. And in this book, she gives some really practical tips about some ways that we can get around some of the chemicals in our food. It's not necessarily telling you that you can't eat meat or telling you you can't do this but some of the chemicals that we put in our body and on our body through cosmetics and everything else that there are ways that we can slowly but surely replace these and i really think this is a great opportunity to once again talk about how all these chemicals now we are seeing so many more people die of cancer so many people have mental illnesses so many people are dealing with depression um going through because of all the chemicals that that we ingest and that we put on our body our skin is our most important organ of the world and now you're seeing um so many instances of melanoma now and people with skin cancer and it's becoming more of awareness where back in the day you didn't hear anything about it i mean back in the day when i was growing up we used to um put um baby oil on our skin to when we went outside to tan so our tan would be refreshing now being a little bit pale is in our spray tans. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. I'm going to put in the show notes all the links that we that she talks about. Um, I tried to make myself little notes as we were going through this episode. I will also put where you can find her book because I really think this is a great book. If you're not a mom of daughters, even if you're just a mom, or even if you're just a parent, I think this is really great. Um, you can take some of this. Even if you are a parent of boys, you could take some of this information and totally make it into and apply it to your kids how you can see fit so i really hope you enjoy this episode come join melissa and her guests on the chats from the blog cabin podcast from north carolina this podcast will have you feeling like you've known these folks for years listen in as they chat about life culture current events and more all with a special southern flair Curl up with your favorite beverage and get ready to be entertained. Tune in now for a unique experience that's fun and insightful. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin. You have the show where I virtually invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. And today we're chatting with Dr. Cheryl Green. I told her before we came on, I absolutely love her last name, but her she spells it wrong. I'm sorry. Um she wrote this book called Heal Your Daughter, which is an amazing book. I actually listened to it on audiobook. I wish I had actually sat down and read it because I would have highlighted a lot. And I told you before we came on that I wish this was available when my girls were teenagers. So, Cheryl, welcome to the show. Tell us a little about yourself before we talk about your book. Oh, well, first, thanks for having me on, Melissa. So nice to be here in the log, log cabin, even though I'm here in Southern California right now. So yeah, so I'm uh, I'm actually working right now as a professor at Loma Linda University School of Medicine. Um, so I do um, <clears throat> train the residents and the fellows in psychiatry and in lifestyle psychiatry, which is my specialty. 
So uh, that's kind of a little bit about me. I also have a small private practice on the side uh, where I see people actually in my own home. Um, and I also, my private practice extends throughout California um, via telepsychiatry. So just like this, uh, by, mm -hmm. via Zoom or another platform, I can meet with people all over California. So let's talk about your journey into becoming a psychiatrist. Let's talk about that. What made you decide, aha moment, that I want to do this for, for my life? Wonderful. Well, it was a second career, honestly. Um, I would say I've had three careers so far. Um, my first one was probably as a writer and a, and a professor of English literature. Um, I loved writing. I loved my only job was as an actual PhD student at Princeton, though, um, when I did a PhD in English. Then I took a long hiatus from everything to raise my own three kids. Um, so I was a stay-at-home mother for years. In fact, I would say probably counting, all told, it was 18 and a half years I stayed at home with my children. Although I did things, you know, while they were in school, I did things. I volunteered at various laboratories. Um, I wrote scientific papers, you know. Uh, I had already completed my dissertation by the time my daughter was like one and a half. So I did other things, but then my mom got cancer. Um, and when my mom got cancer, uh, that was hugely, hugely uh, impactful for me. Um, and so I spent a great deal of time with her. And in those six months, I found, you know, how valuable it is. Uh, not being just, you know, an ivory tower, you know, writer uh, of about literature, but actually helping people. I feel like I came alive in a way and I said, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And so I went into medicine uh, and then finding, you know, within medicine, you find your tribe. So I found my tribe in psychiatry. <laughs> uh, it's hard to describe and define the tribe, <laughs> yeah. but I did, I did. I did find it. My my old advisor uh, at Stanford, David Spiegel, impressed me hugely. And I saw there the possibility of uh, complementary psychiatry. And my interest there kind of morphed into lifestyle psychiatry as that field became a field. Really, the board certification became possible in uh, lifestyle medicine just as I was concluding my uh, uh training, uh, my fellowship training in child and adolescent psychiatry. Mm -hmm. So that was totally unexpected, but it's, it was exactly what I wanted to do. So now this lifestyle psychiatry is exactly the niche uh, I love uh, for kids, but also for adults, uh, just uh, talking about lifestyle, training people in lifestyle, writing about lifestyle and how it can impact not only your physical health, but it can also revolutionize how you feel. So let's talk about what exactly for people, give me like a little brief nugget of what lifestyle psychiatry is, because a lot of people are like, what, what is that? You know, they're, as soon as they hear psychiatry, they're like, okay, I'm not interested. What is this? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> psychiatry has a bad rep. Uh, for many years, it was regarded as kind of like the dregs of medicine. It's like, oh yeah, psychiatry. That's where you send people when they don't have anything wrong with them, but they still have something going on. Send them to psychiatry. It's probably all in their mind. And uh, 
you know, it got a bad rep because of some of the early practitioners whose theories have been debunked, you know, uh, uh, so without naming any obvious names. Um, yeah, um, but what I felt was, you know, psychiatry is the field most in need of help. And I believe it truly is. Psychiatry is the field most in need of help. And here it is. Lifestyle is the remedy <laughs> for psychiatry. Mm. Um, it actually gets to the root, the very root of a lot of mental problems, particularly uh, the domain that is um, uh, social and emotional connectedness really gets to the root of why a lot of people are feeling bad. That is so true. Now, what made you decide to write this book? Because before we went on, I told you how much, and I even told you at the beginning of the show, how much I wish I had this book when my daughters were teenagers. And you said that you wish you had this book when your daughter was a teenager. Was that <laughs> the catalyst for you to write this book was to show other parents that, hey, you know, it may be something that's in their environment that's making them react or act the way they are acting. Yeah, their environment or, or the social environment <laughs> or both. Yeah. Um, well, you know, my daughter was already uh, 17 and a half when I entered medicine. Mm -hmm. So she was 17 and a half when I went to medical school. So I learned a lot about the body. And then I went to psychiatry residency training. I got a lot, learned a lot about the mind. And then I went to child and adolescent fellowship. So by the time I learned uh, all of that, you know, I, I wish I'd known what I know now when she was younger, but there was just absolutely no way I was going, you know, I used the old classics in raising my kids, you know, Dr. Spock and <laughs> Sesame Street. And, um, I had no idea how impactful what we know now about lifestyle, how impactful that can be for kids. So, um, but actually you're asking me another question. Why did I finally come to it, even though I didn't have the opportunity back then? Mm -hmm. um, this question, uh, most of the mothers that I work with in my, you know, my child and adolescent work at Loma Linda and in my own private practice have that question. You know, I want to help her, but I really don't know how. Um, I want to help. What can I do? And so the book was written to those mothers who they genuinely want to help. Uh, they realize the limits of psychiatry as usual. You know, mm -hmm. I give her this pill. I send her once a week to this therapist. She's not getting any better. What do I, what, do, what can I do? So the book is about what you can do as a parent. Um, and I must say, one of the things you can do as a parent also is you can let your daughter know she's not alone. Mm -hmm. You know, CDC just came out with this new study um, it's called the Youth Risk Behavior Study. And, you know, in it, it comes out with the recent stats from 2011 to 2021. And in 2021, the statistics on teen girls are just amazing. 57% of them felt depressed or hopeless within the last one year. So depression rate is virtually 57%, almost 60%. So that is the normal. That depression mm -hmm. is the normal for teen girls. Um, but the, even more surprising than that, 30% of girls, so nearly a third of girls, teen high school, these are high school girls, nearly a third had suicidal thoughts in the past one year. So thinking about suicide, nearly a third. Okay, and then 24%, so nearly a quarter, 24% is nearly one quarter of high school girls 
uh, had suicidal thoughts with a plan in the past wow. year. And you know, that is the criterion for inpatient admission. You know, that is when, when somebody comes to the emergency room and they have suicidal thoughts and a plan, we, we admit them to the hospital to observe them for a few days, to do, give them therapy and coping skills, possibly medication, so that they can, so that we know they're safe. Okay, mm -hmm. so we can't hospitalize a quarter of high school girls. What would that look like? An inpatient hospital in every high school? I mean, that's crazy. So there needs to be another level of support and that level of support, I believe, is already there. I believe the parents, the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, you know, whoever it is, there are usually family members who want to step up. Uh, they just literally don't know what to do. So this book is written for them so they can help. It's not written for the daughters themselves. It's written for the caregivers. Um, and frankly, I see a lot of grandparents as the main caregivers these days. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's at least a fifth, at least a fifth of my girls come in with a grandparent rather than a parent. So my hat's off to those grandparents <laughs> out there who are who are helping out. Yeah. Well, we need to take a commercial break. When we get back, I want to delve more into the topics to go into with um, hearing your daughter. Okay. Hi, I'm Alice Chun. I'm the inventor of the Solar Puff. This is the Solar Puff. It flat packs flat like an origami balloon and you can pop it open and you get a beautiful cube of light. No batteries needed, just the sun and we are using this for PTSD therapy with children in Ukraine. And now I'm going to Turkey to deliver these to the earthquake victims. Solite design. And this is the solar puff. And we are back talking with Dr. Cheryl Green, the book, Heal Your Daughter. I love the fact that you talk about the environment, the chemicals, the sleep, the exercise, everything that went around and Roundup. Oh my gosh, I don't know how many times we try to tell my husband not to use Roundup in the yard. <laughs> Even my daughter yeah. who's getting her PhD, I think it's like bone deformities or bone densities um, for tobacco smokers. And when she did a whole thing about Roundup, she tries to tell her dad, don't use it. And he's like, nope. Still got to use it. I'm like, no. So let's talk about yeah. all these interactions. Yeah. That, that marketing for Roundup where they have that funny guy, kind of awkward, kind of clueless. And he's there, you know, humorously like shooting things in the yard. Yeah, the, the, the advertising, the amount of money and the talent that goes into those commercials. Uh, they have made it seem like it's this most harmless thing in the world. Uh, and we know otherwise. Yeah, we know that really... We're raising our kids in an ocean of corporate chemicals and yuck. Mm -hmm. It's in the water. It's in the food. It's in the air we breathe. It's in the furniture in our house. It's in the carpets. It's in the paint in the walls. There are chemical contaminants everywhere. It's in the bedding. It's in the flame retardants in the, in the clothing. So, you know, there, there's no way around this chemical soup uh, that our kids are swimming in. 
the chemicals you put on your body, the cosmetics, that all of that stuff is contributing to things like infertility and cancer. And, and frankly, we know that that's the case. Um, studies have been done. Those are facts, um, not uh, speculations. Uh, and yet, you know, the, the poison is in the dose, you know. Yeah. So um, how we can reduce, the question becomes, how do we just reduce, how do we take down the chemical burden in our kids' lives? How do we just reduce that? so that it's down to a not insane level. <laughs> yeah, so every little bit adds up, you know, that water purifier, you know, eating clean, eating organic, um, having, if you live in a really polluted area, either moving or mm -hmm. using an air purifier in your house at a minimum, you know, people don't realize if they live on a golf course and they've got that Roundup Ready grass right there, they're getting sprayed with glyphosate to keep it looking mm -hmm. beautiful year round probably. Um, yeah, people don't realize, you know, living next to a gas station, you know, you're getting those fumes 24 seven, you know, big diesel trucks come in there. Um, so the more you can purify those three things, the, the, the water, the food, the, the air, and then of course, what's in your home and what you put on your body in terms of chemicals, you know, the safest things are just plain old Castile soap something like Dr. Bronner's, minimal, minimal makeup. If any, it could be organic. You can look at e Environmental Working Group or EWG, Environmental Working Group, has a website where you can look on there and find safer uh, cosmetics. They have a whole list of everything from hair coloring to, <laughs> to foundation, <clears throat> where they give it all a ranking. And so you want something probably under a three um, and we know that's a fact from a wonderful movie that a lady can't put out called Cleaner, Greener Me. And it's a free online movie. She was a beautician. She was a hairdresser and cosmetologist who found herself infertile. And she thought, my gosh, what's going on? My family has never had any problems with this. Going back eons, obviously, since the family exists as a line. Um, so she had her blood analyzed. It was just loaded with incredibly toxic levels of every chem chemical known to man. So she went one month um, just um, reducing the exposure. She needed another month, though, before she, uh, before she got clean enough to have, actually, to have actually eggs grow in her ovaries. So it took two months to get any eggs at all growing her ovaries. Two months of just cleaning it out, cleaning it out, cleaning it out. And later on, she was able to use EWG's guide using just the one, the two, and just one other thing, I think it, just one hair product that she needed a six level because there weren't any below a six. <laughs> um, she was able to clean it out of her system. And if, you know, a hairdresser is probably the highest risk for, you know, gas station attendants and hairdressers mm -hmm. and, you know, farm workers, factory workers are probably like the highest risk <laughs> groups. So and if and if and if and she could clear out her blood just by playing it safe using only safe cosmetics, I have hope. You know, for our girls, they can look beautiful without all that stuff. And if you look at the girl at the end of the movie wearing the clean version of cosmetics and hair products and all of that, versus the one, you know, you can't even tell a difference. So I mean, there is hope. You can clean it up. You can be way safer if you just try.
put an effort in to educate yourself and, and clean it up for your kids. I love how you take the aspect. You talk about the chemicals in your food, the role of sleep and exercise and everything else. But I think there was one thing, and I cannot remember exactly how you worded it, but it was talking about the organic food and how sometimes you have to be cautious of labels that are food that are labeled organic. Do you remember the exact way? You oh, yeah. That? There's a phrase called greenwashing where they'll say super duper and all natural flavors, etc. And that can be very misleading. For one thing, the word natural flavors, almost 100% of the time, what that means is MSG. Um, yep. You know, 20 years ago, when they realized how toxic and addictive MSG was, you notice it disappeared immediately. Well, it didn't disappear. <laughs> it got relabeled as some 24, some two dozen other names. And one of those names is natural flavors or organic natural flavors or organic. And we kind of lost Cheryl for a minute. So let's see if she comes back. Um, the book is called Hear Your Daughter, How Lifestyle Psychiatry Can Save Her from Depression Cutting and Suicidal Thoughts. And Cheryl, you are back. We lost you for a second. You oh, okay. About, you were talking about MSG and how natural is now labeled as natural flavorings. That's when you got kind of cut out. Yeah. Uh, just about anything you buy that's processed, that's out of a can or bottle, uh, they can put stuff in there that isn't even on the label. You know, they, when they're getting the alkaline bases back, there's a really good book written about this phenomenon written by an FDA whistleblower. Um, you know, I could talk about that. There are, there are ways of getting um, heavy metals into the food without it being listed on the label. And there are vast quantities of mercury, for example, that disappear that are reported missing um, to the EPA every year. And they end up in our foods, um, even in simple things like pH balancers, um, you know, uh, very simple things. So there, there, if you really dig deep and research, you can, you can find out some of these truths. That's why the unprocessed, you know, the, the diet that's recommended by lifestyle medicine practitioners is the whole food plant-based yeah. diet and the whole, the whole food is I think the more important component than the plant-based. Plant-based means 90% or greater plant matter. So you get all your micronutrients, but the whole food, that means food as it originally was created, whether grown from the ground or on an animal, it means unprocessed, nothing stripped out of it, like the nutritious outer hole, uh, nothing put into it like heavy metals, which we know lead to Metal, you know, heavy metals uh, such as lead, we know leads to depression. Mercury can lead to psychosis. Uh, a lot of those heavy metals completely damage the brain. Uh, so, I mean, to eat things in their, as pure a form as possible and then to wash them uh, before you ingest them, that's the ideal diet. You know, as much unprocessed as you can do and as plant-based as you can you know, not going to an extreme of 100% necessarily, because we know that if you do that, you're going to be deficient in B12. Vitamin B12 used to be in the water. Now our water is chlorinated. So B12 is no longer in there. And B12 is an extraordinarily important vitamin. So just putting that warning out there, if people go overboard with the no animal products, they may end up very deficient in vitamin B12. So that needs to be supplemented if you're going to go 100% 
uh, plant, plant, plant diet. Do you think, I want to talk about, first of all, you know, you talked about the chemicals, sleep, exercise, and the role of that. But do you also think that there's less of a stigma now for people to ask for help as far as their mental health goes as before in the past? Because you hear a lot more people. It's almost like it's the buzzword now. Oh, uh, well, I'm going to see a therapist or um, I have, you know, mental health is like my top priority right now, my mental health. And that's like a key a buzzword that a lot of people are using. Not really. I don't think they really know what they're talking about when they're saying it. But do you think now more people are more able to talk about it and more open about it than they were in the past? Yeah, I do. I think there's been a huge uh, movement to normalize uh, these things. And, you know, there has been effort to destigmatize and to normalize the concept of going to a therapist, of being on psychiatric medicines. That said, I, I can't say I'm totally in agreement with that. I don't feel that it's if there's anything normal about everybody, you know, being on psychiatric medications. I mean, that can't, that cannot be the solution where we just medicate everyone with psychiatric medications. What I love about lifestyle medicine is that as you put in these commonsensical, uh, but science-based, every, every single recommendation is evidence-based. That's why it's a board-certified field of medicine, because this is all the evidence in these six domains of health. Um, as you add these in, you can often reduce those medications, even down to nothing sometimes. Um, and that is my goal with every patient. My goal with every patient is to streamline or actually get rid of a lot of the medications as the lifestyle uh, measures are put in in place of those. Things as simple as getting good sunlight by day can regularize and normalize sleep, for example. And people don't realize that. They read about sleep hygiene, but the lifestyle medicine tested every one of those sleep hygiene um, measures, you know, those behaviors that help with sleep. The most important one is getting good sunlight. The more sunlight you get during the day, the more tired you're going to be at night because that's the way you educate your body as to what is day and what is night. You know, when we live indoors in our low light settings, which we think are, are bright because our pupils adapt, but they're not. Mm -hmm. um, you and I are both sitting in the dark right now, for example. Um, you know, we educate our bodies with that bright light out there, 100,000 lux out there in the noon hour. Not that we want too much uh, noon exposure, obviously, but yeah. uh, getting some sunlight is necessary for a body to know, you know, and we are diurnal creatures, um, when we should be asleep and when we should be awake. So simple things like that. We don't need to be on three sleep medications, <laughs> but we do need to get enough sunlight every day we need to have some relaxation strategies so we can sleep naturally. And that's the kind of thing lifestyle psychiatrists aim at, you know, supplementing all of the meds with the way things that were present when we evolved, you yeah. know. I so agree with you about the getting the sunlight because last week I was on vacation in Charleston. And my um, oldest daughter was at a conference 
and because she lives in California, I decided whenever she's anywhere within a drive away from me, I was going to go see her. And so when we're in Charleston, of course, you're walking and you're visiting all these places and you're out in the sunlight. So by the end of the day, I was exhausted. But now that I'm home, I'm like, yeah, I can't sleep as well as when I'm away. And normally it's not the case. Normally I can't sleep when I'm away from my bed. But no, because I was out in the sunlight. I know that's why I slept so much better because I was out and I was being active. Yeah, absolutely. And so many of the things that lifestyle um, medicine docs will encourage are just that simple. Just simple tweaks. And yet they make a world of difference. Like even the whole food plant-based diet, you know, they found um, back in the 50s, um, there was something called the Minnesota semi-starvation experiment where they put men on a really low nutrient diet, low, low nutrients, low calories. And within six months, those men were depressed. They were angry. They were aggressive. They were cutting. They were freaking out. And these were college students. They were very intelligent. After six months, they were a mess. And then they put them back on a really nutritious diet for six months and they, they, the, the behavior normalized, but they lost all of their motivation. They lost their happiness. They started doing all of these things that we see in teen girls today. So, you know, I see about 60 teen girls a week. Honestly, I see a lot of teen girls and they're all eating like that. They're all saying, oh, I don't eat meals. I just eat snacks. And like, what are the snacks? They're processed. Mm-hmm. They're, <laughs> they've got nothing in them <laughs> that, that, uh, that will, will feed your body in any genuine way. And then they restrict the calories. Um, so it's unfortunate, that, the, but I think that's at the root of why a lot of them feel so bad. Has there ever been like a particular, um, you don't have to go into specifics, but like case studies and clients where they've come in and you said, okay, what if you change this, this, and this? And they were like so resistant. So they're like, no, we're not changing anything. I'm just here to talk. Give me the medicine. And then once they start implementing the things that you tell them to implement, they come back and say, thank you so much for pushing me to implement this stuff because I feel 100% better. You know what? I have had cases like that. I'm, I'm thinking of one uh, teenage girl and one little boy, little boy, like eight years old. They weren't having it. They wouldn't have it. <laughs> no. So I just told the moms, well, what about this uh, broad spectrum micronutrient? There are some brands, essentially vitamins, there are some brands of vitamins that have been extensively, extensively tested, as in 150 studies that are extremely comprehensive. I'm thinking of one where you need four of these capsules a day. There's another brand that's kind of a similar to that one where you need 12 of these a day. These are very high quality, very bioavailable. They're kind of pricey, unfortunately, but they're the real deal. Well-researched, when you give those, when you replete the nutrient levels of the kids, it's amazing how the mood just skyrockets. Even when you're not um, doing it through food, but when you're doing it through these supplements, provided that the supplements are good ones. Now, you know, big corporations like Nestle's are buying up all the vitamin, the smaller vitamin brands that used to have integrity. And, you know, not all vitamins have integrity. In fact, some vitamin brands have been tested and found to be carcinogenic. I think mm-hmm. the most uh, flagrant of those was Flintstones number or whatever, which had number two red dye and all kinds of toxins in the binders and um, 
So not every vitamin is trustable. You have to really know what you're doing. And I would ask a lifestyle medicine doc. There are maybe four or five really reputable, really trustworthy brands that have not sold out <laughs> that are very good. And I use those myself and I have my own children uh, using those. So I don't think I can say the names. I don't think I'm allowed to. <laughs> I don't have any commercial interests in those, but I, I don't think I'm allowed to. Um, when you wrote this book, like you said, you thought you wish you had, had a book like this when you were raising your daughter. Did your daughter read it or did your kids read it and say, Mom, thank you for writing this. Now I can, like, if I ever become a parent or if I'm a parent now, I can use this for my kids. Yeah, my daughter, well, she's read parts um, and she has it. I said, you know, did you like the girl on the front? Because, you know, the girl on the front looks just like a clone of my daughter. Uh, <laughs> so uh, she did notice uh, that, that she kind of looks like the girl on the cover. Um, that said, I think she's listened to parts of it on the audiobook version, but I don't think she's read the whole thing. That said, you know, we go over it together. So we do all that stuff together. Um, so, you know, uh, often we cook together and things like that. So she's clued into all of it and she's on board with it, even though she hasn't read it directly. She's kind of gotten it from me, I guess, or we've done it together. So what would be the one thing that you would say to a parent of, especially a teenage girl to implement first? I mean, because they're going to be resistance because teenage girls are tough. They are super tough with the hormones and everything. What would you say to implement first? Well, you know, that's going to depend on the girl. I, I would just I would just be really, you know, because the one thing you can't do with a teen girl is give advice. You know, mm -hmm. if you give advice, they're going to do the opposite. <laughs> so you got to realize that at, at the teen year, there's always that tug for autonomy. And you want to differentiate from, certainly from your mother, your evil old mother, <laughs> and to do the opposite. So I would just feel it out. Um, are there any of these you want to do? Um, do you want to come shopping with me? Would you like to pick out what are your favorite things? And also, you know, if there are parts of the workbook, because there's the Heal Your Daughter and then there's a Heal Your Daughter workbook. If there are parts of the workbook that she's willing to work through with you. There are parts where like you can write, circle your favorite vegetables and circle your favorite fruits. And like your mom can use that as a clue to, or dad or grandmother can use that as a clue to, uh, you know, what to stock the house with. Um, so, yeah. So I would just say the one thing I would say is be aware of that, that you, you're right. You can't give advice. You have to ask. Um, are you interested? And the, the part I would educate them about is that, um, you know, obviously you have to educate your teen about staying away from drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, you have, you must, you know, with adults, they say, oh, you don't tell them, you know, because they already know, but kids don't know. They don't know that those drugs are like, you know, for example, if you're huffing, they don't realize that is stripping the myelin right off your, your brain. <laughs> you know, uh, they don't realize if you smoking a wax pen, marijuana wax pen, if you're vaping that, that 
gives you a huge risk. And I'm referring to the wax pen, not to cannabis itself, uh, but to the wax pen. That is like a byproduct of the cannabidiol industry where they've extracted everything good. They've mm -hmm. extracted the cannabidiol, which affects your immune system. They've left in there the THC, which is the uh, psychoactive component. And they that is a, a tenfold concentrate of that THC component, along with, guess what else? The pesticides, the rodenticides, the fungicides, all the poisons that come from that industry. They're all um, there in, in this little thing, which you then import directly into your brain. And so I have been on the inpatient unit. You know, I, I, my, I mainly work in the intensive outpatient setting. But at times, about once a month, I do cover the inpatient unit on the whole weekend or holidays or whatever. So I see inpatient girls and boys and children, for that matter, a lot, at least once a month. And I have been on that adolescent unit at times when fully half of the kids are crazy. And I mean psychotic, mm -hmm. out of their mind, hallucinating and paranoid because they've been using the wax pen heavily. That is why they are. There's no family history usually. It's usually just the wax pen. So inpatient psychiatrists know for a fact, uh, and we knew before even the studies came out, that the wax pen, the adolescent brain and wax pen was a bad, dangerous combination. <laughs> We've known that for a long time. It's only been recently that those studies have been coming out. So the most recent one I saw was that it increases your risk of developing schizophrenia fourfold. I wouldn't, I, I think it's it's not binary like that. It's not like use it or don't, it's fourfold. I think it's like dose dependent. You know, If uh -huh. even a, a normal person with no psychiatric background at all smokes enough of it, I believe they will go nuts uh, most likely. Wow. So you do have to educate your kid about some things like that. But beyond that, you have to give them a little bit of, of a rein or they'll just rebel across the board. Um, so I would educate them about that. I would also tell them about the Minnesota semi-starvation experiment. Do you know that eating in a way that you're not ingesting any nutrients, that will lead to poor mental health, followed by eventually you'll be very unhealthy physically mm -hmm. because, you know, your, your health is dependent upon what you ingest, just like the engine of a car depends upon what fuel is going through that engine. The human body is largely dependent upon what is fueling it. And any veterinarian will tell you that as well. Any veterinarian will tell you, or any farmer for that matter, mm -hmm. what am I feeding my plants? The plant growing without any fertilizer, without any anything in the soil will be a very deficient or maybe not even alive. Uh, similarly with farm animals, you have to give them a special diet. You have to give them those nutrients or they will not be healthy. They'll be very ill. And similarly with human beings, I'm definitely not saying that humans are just another animal, not at all, but we are creatures, we are similar, we have similar characteristics, and we do depend upon our nutrition for our well-being, physical and mental. So I would just tell them things like that, and then I would role model it, role model it. And if you're a lucky parent who has a kid who will work through the workbook with you, mm -hmm. fill out stuff and circle here and circle there. And yeah, let's go for a run or, you know, let's go out together. Let's uh, go to the grocery store, you know, involve the teen in his or her 
uh, own health. That's the best thing. Uh, that way you're not changing that teen. Um, you're just putting in the limits that are necessary for their, you know, basic, <laughs> basic survival. And I would include in that a basic protections on the internet, particularly teen girls. They need those basic filters, those basics in there, or they'll end up in places. Uh, I won't even talk about that. It's such a dark subject, but I have had patients who have been abducted because they're innocent. They're, they think everything's great and this person loves them and seems so excited and just wants to meet them and at a certain hour and they go out and meet them and boom, they're gone. Um, you know, and it takes some very special digging to, to get those kids back usually. Um, fortunately, in that case, I did get my kid back. But, um, you know, uh, it's dangerous. I think you really must educate your teen and say, hey, I don't want to micromanage you, but I do want you to know certain things. And above mm -hmm. that, you know, I love you. And, you know, I just want to work on our bond, you know, so that you trust me. I'm not going to micromanage you, but I also am interested in your well-being. So I want to put some reasonable safeguards in there. And so give a long rope, but with a lot of education. That is what I did, you know, and I, I do recommend to my parents. First is always building a bond. Because these days, that bond is being attacked from every every way from Sunday. That bond is being attacked. It's attacked by uh, the internet. It's attacked by uh, the media. It's it's programmed in that oh, those icky old square parents. It, they've been attacked since the '60s, really, or even earlier. Um, you know, in communism, the '30s, there, there's no gender. It's just comrade. You know, there's no. Uh, love of your family it's the party you know uh, yeah. so i mean there have been a lot of attacks on the family um attacks on just about everything healthy in our world frankly uh so you gotta you know keep your kids as close as you can educate them love them and uh just do the best you can in this crazy world we've got here it, it truly is crazy uh one thing that can help as well uh and I don't know if there's a study on this, but just if you can, if you can afford it, showing them a little bit of some other country can help them either to appreciate what they have here in America in terms of the material stuff, or even to rattle them out of their belief system of this is the only way to think, you know, so that they realize, oh, I'm thinking in a certain way largely because of the programming in America. Mm -hmm. But kids elsewhere, they're programmed a different way by their culture. So you can finally realize, okay, I get it. I'm programmed. Now, now that I know that, that allows me to choose what I accept and what I reject. Um, a lot of kids in their teens, um, they just think the way they've been programmed is reality. That there is an objective. Mm -hmm. This this is the way it is. <laughs> and uh that's a tough one because a lot of that program that goes into our kids is so sick and so dysfunctional and so sadness making, you know? Yeah, that's so true. And you're so right about choices because if you give a teen a choice, it feels like they have some kind of control over their life. If you say, no, you're going to eat this or you're going to do this or you're going to do that, they're going to feel like they don't have any control over anything and they're going to rebel 100%. I totally agree with that. 
Yeah, yeah. I see that a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think ultimately the thing that kids register is your intention. Mm. You know, your intention. That They feel that. You know, they feel that. Uh, so if your intention is good, I think they'll get it. And ultimately, you know, they'll respond in a healthy way. Yeah. Well, um, Dr. Cheryl, our time is almost up. Before we talk about where people can find your book and where they can find you, do you have one last little nugget of wisdom to share? Because you dropped a lot of nuggets during this episode, but this is one last little nugget you want to share. Ah, I guess uh, if I had to sum it up, there is huge hope because everything that has been programmed in or done to the kids in this generation, and it's a lot, all of that can be undone, can be detoxed, can be reprogrammed, rewired. I believe there's huge hope, but I think the necessary thing is to get the correct scientific information, and then all of that can be re rebooted, you know, what they're eating, um, how to eliminate stuff from your system and avoid big toxins, how to exercise, how to sleep effectively, how to connect with safe, uh, I mean, safe, non-dangerous others <laughs> in a healthy way, mm -hmm. and how to learn the art of relaxation. Um, you know, all of these now, the, the science of how to live is partly known. I mean, there are vast amounts, I'm sure, that aren't known yet. But we know a lot about the science of living well. And that's what lifestyle medicine is. It creates health, it creates happiness, and it creates longevity. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's huge hope in that. And just huge hope that in our kind of weird world of medicine as usual, it actually got board certified. It is a board certified <laughs> scientific field. So it's, it's, it, it kind of goes in the other direction from most of medicine, which is focusing on pathology and disease, tinkering, mm -hmm. curing that. This is like the vastness of health creation. It's the other, it's, it's kind of the opposite of extreme, opposite extreme. And, and there's great hope in that. There's huge hope in that. If you educate yourself, try to build that bond with your kid and give them a toehold. You know, you don't have to do all of lifestyle medicine to be much healthier. Even if you're just going in one of those six domains, even one can save you. Um, so I think there's huge hope. And your book is called Heal Your Daughter. Where can people find the, this book at? Well, you know, it's all over. It's on Amazon. I know some people don't like to shop at Amazon. It is at Barnes & Noble. Uh, it's in just about every bookstore. It's from Book Baby. Uh, so it's 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 in a lot of places. And, um, you know, uh, I hope you'll get a copy. You know, there's also a workbook. So um, the workbook is something that your daughter can look at and read with you. Uh, so, yeah. So if it's, you know, if you kind of like the trend of this conversation, I certainly hope you'll get one and or that you'll seek out a lifestyle psychiatrist or a lifestyle practitioner of some sort. You can kind of guide not just your daughter, your whole family can get healthy all at once. And I think that's the best way. How did they do that? Would they just Google lifestyle practitioner and see what comes up? Or Yeah, I believe it's lifestyle practitioners near me. Um, the American College of Lifestyle Psychiatry has listings. 
and also uh, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. So ACLM, American College of Lifestyle Medicine, but also PCRM, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Those two sources have lifestyle practitioners near me or lifestyle physicians or lifestyle psychiatrists near me. And um, you can certainly look and see if there's anybody in your area. If not, you can tell your own doctor about it and say, hey, have you considered getting board certified in this? Um, because you learn so much in the board certification process and it's not that hard. Once you are board certified physician, um, you can actually add the add this on within six months or something. It's not that hard to add, to learn all of that and add it into your practice. And it's a very good thing to do for your patients. So, you know, you can always you know, knock on your own doctor <laughs> and say, hey, have you considered this? Because I need to know. I'm sure your other patients need to know. It is the fastest growing field of medicine. We have, you know, six or 700 new people in the field of lifestyle medicine who become board certified every year. So it's still growing really fast. I love that. And where can people find you? I am on um, HTTPS colon slash slash um, Cheryl L. Green dot com. So Cheryl L. Green MD dot com. I'm sorry. So C H E R Y L L G R E E N M D dot com. There it is. I see you. <laughs> That's it. Yes. Originally, I think I put on the book www dot, but that doesn't get you there. It has to be this one or it, it doesn't <laughs> route you. Right. So well, and I, I put the L in because my name turns out to be so common. You're a green also, but the name Cheryl Green for some reason is extremely common. So I had to put the L in there. I would get lost in the. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dr. Cheryl, thank you for coming on and for writing this book. I, like I said, I wish it was when my daughters were younger that I could have used it, but I'm actually going to pass it on to the daughter that's getting her PhD in um, environmental health. So I'm going to pass this book on to her and let her do her little thing with it or whatever she wants to do with it. Um, thank you for coming on and for sharing about this amazing book that you wrote. Guys, I listened to the audio book and the audio is just as great i like i said i wish i read it because then i would have highlighted the whole book would have been highlighted basically <laughs> oh well thanks so much melissa well i love your show thank you so much for interviewing me hope to hear from you again someday well anytime you have anything else coming in the works let me know because i would love to have you back on oh well great you know i am actually writing a, a book lifestyle for adults um i won't do this spoil the title but I am doing one for adults right now. So I will, I will ring you up. <laughs> yep, ring me up. So guys, I will put in the show notes everywhere where you can find Dr. Cheryl, the book, as far as all the other information that she talked about, the cleaner, greener me movie, where you can find lifestyle practitioners, um, the EWG website. I was taking notes as we were talking so I could remember to put all those links in the show notes and once again, Dr. Cheryl, thank you for coming on and for sharing this book. That's going to change a lot of children's lives, a lot of teenagers' lives for sure. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you. So glad you do what you do. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. Keep chatting and be blessed and see you next time. Bye. Okay. Many blessings. Bye now. 
Chats from the blog cabin. Hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode.